I'll probably be doing that the next time because I'm going to be upgrading this computer to Big Sur in the next couple days, too, probably. It's going to be fun. Welcome to Active Discourse, a multi-platform technology podcast. I am Brett, and I have nothing interesting to say on Twitter. And I am Bo, and despite my recent purchases, my eyes have not yet burned out of my skull. <laughs> and Active Discourse is now 45 minutes long, and so let's get started. Um, not in sh- follow-up, by the way. Um, our time to talk about LG might be coming to an end relatively soon, at least in regards to cell phones. I don't know if you saw a recent words indicating that LG might be canceling their rolling phone and then also might no. be leaving the smartphone business entirely. Like, it's not confirmed, no. but it's just rumors. Don't do this to me, LG. The rolling <laughs> phone, that was like the one thing that Brett and I were positive about in the last couple episodes when talking about LG. It was a rolling phone because it was magic. Either we need LG or LG needs us. I don't know. Well, they probably need us, actually. So, um, Well, they need us, but maybe they're what we need. I think that's where we ended up. That is exactly where you ended up. Huh? I just listened <laughs> to our last episode. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, um, aside from the rolling phone, my kind of reaction to that would be, oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> solid meme. Solid meme. I'll throw that in the show notes. Take a look. All right. Uh, next point of follow-up have you gotten a note 20 or an s21 series phone yet i've gotten neither of those i still have the s9 plus and i'm still waiting for something to hit me and that something might not exist yet i don't know fair enough fair enough well the iphone 12 exists so you know that's an that's an option you know i i I actually saw and and uh, i think i was going through best buy for reasons that we'll talk about later in the show today Ooh. And I saw the new uh, newest iPhones. I also saw the Galaxy S21, and I like the look of both of them, actually. I, we talked about it in the S21 episode, and I actually really do like the aesthetics of the S21. You know, if, if they hadn't dropped the MST, I'd be there right now. Well, maybe what you uh, get in, is it April? The MST, the offline MST thing? Yeah, uh, open loop. That arrives in April? Yes. All right, well, we'll see if that does the trick. TBD. My cat has made it into the cupboard. That is some follow-up for you. <laughs> it's so much fun. I don't know if your cat got, jumps into your cupboards, but it's it's fun to watch the cat jump into the He cupboards. never gets them open fully. He he gets them open, <laughs> and then they close shut, so they do the kind of shutter uh-huh. thing where it's like... Yeah. And he does that like yeah. repeatedly until we tell him to shut up. <laughs> I thought I'd have to do that, but she got in. She got her head into the cupboard, and then, in which case, if you can, if a cat can fit their head in, they can fit the rest of their body in. And so she did. And then all I saw was, you know, the the noise stopped. Looked over, and then the tail disappeared. So she's in the cupboard now. Cats. She'll be out in a little while. Okay, long term follow up. I want to kind of bring up two Apple products that I bought within the last year that I'm kind of feeling a little bit down on. And one of those is the Apple Watch Series 6, and the other is AirPods Pro. So I want to start with AirPods Pro because I don't think you have a similar device. And it's not that I dislike the AirPods Pro. I do like them for their audio quality. The noise cancellation and the transparency mode is really cool. But what I don't like is actually the in-ear design. The in-ear design, like after about like 30 minutes or so, starts to make my ears itch. And I don't think I would buy a next generation AirPods Pro if they were exclusively in ear. So I don't know. Have, do you have much experience with literally like the little silicon tips that go into your ear? 
Yeah, I have a couple pairs of Bluetooth earbuds. One of them is the Jabra uh, Elite Active 65T. And another one is some unknown brand from Amazon, uh, Soundpeats. And the the Jabras are like the kind of like the AirPods Pro. They just don't have the stem. So they're just the ones that sit in your ear, just like a bud. And the other ones, I the reason I got them was because they hook around your ear. And for running, they stay put. And so the Jabras, like they, they knock loose, they jiggle out, and I have to adjust them all the time. So I got ones that hook around the ear. I actually really, really like those. So they don't make your ears itch? No, because they, they hook around so that they, they kind of just can sit there, not loose, but just solid enough and yeah they're not uncomfortable they don't jiggle out they stay right where they should i like the hook design yeah and the i I fortunately don't have an issue with either the standard airpods or the airpods pro fitting in my ears they i've gone running with both and they both fit in just fine which is amazing but yeah i don't know after after a little bit of time the airpods pro start to itch my ears a little bit and that's just a shame would you you said they were like silicone tips right could you maybe do the foam ones i think anything being in my ears would make them itch because it feels like sweaty it feels like the insides of my ear are getting sweaty and i don't just Mm. think i like my ears being sweaty i don't know yeah you might just be one of those people who doesn't like sweaty ears yeah i don't know (laughs) whenever i take them out i basically get a q-tip just to scratch the inside of my ear and i don't know that's maybe too much to share. So <laughs> <laughs> you cut it if you need to, man. <laughs> okay. So the other product is the uh, Apple Watch Series Six, which in a vacuum I totally do like. the The big thing that I really do like on it is the always on display. It's just kind of nice. But had I, I remember when I first got these that I notated that I didn't know that I would like it, but I did like it. But I had no idea, and if I just lived in ignorance for the next year with the Series 4, I would be none the wiser as of today. And so um, now that I have it, I still do use the Series 4 in my life. I actually kind of just switch back and forth between them. Usually the Series 4 is my night watch that records uh, sleep tracking, and then the Series 6 is the device that I wear during the day. It's nice for running. It's nice to not have to trigger the screen when I'm running. I can just look at it no matter how I trigger my hands, and it works just fine. But again, before, I'd never had a problem with my Series 4, and it just it wasn't a big enough upgrade, even two years in. I should have waited another year. How are you feeling about your Galaxy Watch? I think I'm kind of right there with you. Overall, a Galaxy Watch 3 is is great i use it day to day and for work and pretty much everything i always wear it um i just used it for working out today actually i was running and it kind of dropped the ball on me i started a workout and it it was it started timing me so i saw it got to timing me and then i put my wrist down and went to look at it again after a few seconds and it just kind of gave up and the screen stayed black until i put my wrist back down and then brought it back up and it had totally given up on the workout <laughs> it still was like tracking my steps and everything but yeah. it wasn't doing all the you know extra exercise workout stuff that it is supposed to do so that was the first time i tried to use it for that really i i usually just am wearing it while i'm working out and figure that's good enough so yeah kind of strange it's it's funny it feels like we've already hit a plateau in smart watches it's i think it's really all about battery from here if you can get these watches to last 
much longer but keep all the fancy features uh that'll give us a lot of what we need i think yeah multiple multiple days on a single charge would be pretty sweet all right well we'll we'll hear more about those probably closer towards september when i don't know we'll, we'll talk about the next generation i don't think i'll be upgrading again this year though just yeah I'll, I'll have this one for a while i also have a little bit of follow-up but we'll talk about it later i just want to insert it here about the google tv the new uh, okay. chromecast essentially uh, so we'll get into that in a little bit, um, but we can start with the first of our main topics, if you're good with that. Yeah, you got right. something. I did. What'd you get? I got a big toy. It's big toy. Uh, a new TV, and nice. it's finally bringing me into the modern age, and it is a 4K TV. You may officially welcome me to 4K. I, I, congratulations and welcome. <laughs> welcome to the party. I do remember we just graduated college and as many college students do we get tvs and i think you graduated just slightly before me um i think like maybe half a year or a whole year before me and i remember you talking about getting this new tv and i came over to see it and like oh yeah i need to get me a big tv this is fantastic (laughs) this is so great and you inspired me to get a tv and the difference between like a year the year that you got yours and the year that i got mine that was the difference between being able to get an affordable 4K and not because 4K wasn't yeah. affordable the last time you got a TV. It wasn't yeah, affordable this at all. was uh, this. It's so it's it's closing in on 10 years old. Don't tell me that. That's wild. I think that as a model, it's 10 years old. But <laughs> yeah, as a model, I think it is 10 years old. But yeah, it was like 2013, I think, when I got it. It's so that was a sharp. LC60LE550U. Rolls right off the tongue. Basically, it was a 60-inch 1080p LCD, 120 hertz. It was actually 120? It actually wow. was, yeah. Um, I was actually surprised about that because I didn't really know that <laughs> until I looked at the spec sheet literally today to get that info for this show. <laughs> wow. So um, let's talk about your next one and compare the, the difference between 120 hertz between the two of them. So what'd you get? I got a Vizio... Uh, P-Series, Quantum X 2020. Specifically, it's a P75QX-H1. That's a 75-inch 4K LED with a VA panel. And it's 120 hertz, but it's got variable refresh rate as an option. So that's a lot of spec stuff, but we can we can crack into it as needed. It's a 75-inch. So yeah, it's 75-inch, which is 15 inches bigger diagonally than the TV I was replacing. It's <laughs> huge. It's huge. monstrous. Bringing in the uh, box, and then like I sent some pictures to people standing in front of this box. It's just massive. Did you have a vehicle that you could fit that box in? It actually got delivered by Best Buy. Mm, okay. So they, they brought it right up to the apartment. I was a little worried about them getting in, into the elevator, but they <laughs> they managed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> My God. My God. Yeah, I mean, they'd probably have to... They'd walk it up the stairs. I'm sure they've had yeah. to do that before, but yep. yeah. Wow. Okay. Hmm. All right. Other things with the display. Obviously, it's 4K, but uh, the Sharp that I'm replacing was LCD, and... This one is LED, and it's a VA panel. So kind of historically, those have been not the best like response times for gaming. This one is like 14 milliseconds if you turn on all the gaming, like you get into gaming mode, essentially. So the response time actually is decent. I think 
any pro gamer would be yelling at me right now because it should be <laughs> sub 10 and probably sub 5 if you're going to be doing anything that's, you know, above super casual gaming. Uh, being a living room TV, though, for me, it's mostly for movies and TV shows. So yeah. the VA panel uh, gives it just an awesome display. It's It's so nice to look at. So tell me about some of the other uh, features. How are you feeling about the size specifically? You know, having a 60 (laughs) out in your living room before and then the next day having a 75. I assume you didn't move your couch back. How how does it feel? Yeah, we're in the same spot and 60 inch was totally fine. But uh, the distance we're at, I think 75 is probably perfect. I love the resolution, obviously. 4K just looks amazing. And the size is i mean i put them together here in my list of three resolution and size and it's just phenomenal look at i mean i obviously i saw all the tvs on display at best buy and we went to target and i think one more place and i so i i saw obviously like the 8ks and the oleds and everything and those look like windows and it's actually kind of sickening how good they look but getting this 4K in my living room and being able to watch something on it from my couch just is a whole... I mean, I never even imagined something like this. Uh, 1080p was a revelation when I got it 10 years ago. <laughs> this thing is... it's crazy. HDR specifically is definitely a huge thing that you're enjoying. I actually don't even have an HDR TV either, so I just I just know from... Uh, my phone and the MacBook that both have HDR displays and how amazing HDR looks. And I would imagine you're having fun with that, especially with the PS5. Well, the PS5 actually is in my office, so it's not on the living room TV. No way, really? Right. Wow. Yep. Wow. But the brightness and contrast is one of my favorite features here um, because this has HDR and it's got local dimming, so it can dim different parts of the display. And the blacks, they're not as inky as you might get on on like an OLED and stuff like that. But this is really, really good contrast. The blacks are really dark. I think it would be hard to notice much more contrast at this level. So I'm not disappointed at all. It's, it's fantastic. And it gets really bright too. The brightness on this screen is, um, and I, I, for a lot of the, my search, I was going through, uh, this website, you're probably aware of it. It's uh, rtings.com, or they might pronounce it ratings. I'm not exactly sure. Fantastic site. Uh, and they, they're kind of like the wire cutter. They test a lot of different products, keyboards, mice, but the main one is TVs and yeah, monitors. They're really fantastic. They yeah, really are they fantastic. do tons of testing. They they have all of the specs written out. It's, it's really in-depth testing that they do. And so I, I went by their website for a lot of the different TVs that I was comparing and ended up on this one that was in stock in a store near me. So I was able to pick it up that day. But it's it had a, a good rating uh, all across the board for pretty much every category. So this was an easy pick for me. And it was it was there in the store for me to look at and, and get delivered. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been really happy with it. The, the brightness specifically definitely um, is... You're, you're definitely seeing a really high brightness because of the fact that it's not an OLED because I know the big downside to OLEDs is the fact that they are typically, um, they're, they're not as bright. So they're, they're not very good. They're not recommended for bright living rooms, for example. So, um, 
I don't know if you have a bright living room, but yeah, that's just an inherent flaw with OLED. So I think it's probably on the brighter side. Uh, we live in, on a third floor uh, apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, it's in the living room right next to kind of a, a few feet away from a patio door. So it, it gets quite a bit of light, but I don't think it's on the extreme end of a bright living room. But the brightness definitely helps, uh, and it looks amazing. Yeah, actually, we might as well just real quick jump to OLED and then we'll we'll get back to a few other things. So um, since we're talking about OLED, what are, your, what are your thoughts on OLED? You specifically did not get an OLED TV here. And I know that a lot of folks do get OLEDs. Is there a reason why you shied away from OLED? There was a couple of reasons. Uh, aesthetically, it's really great. But like you said, they don't get as bright. And also for me, the price just wasn't right. I don't think they're super accessible yet on large displays like TVs. Uh, especially when you're trying to get other features on there as well. Whereas if you open it up and you you start looking at things like LEDs, you you get kind of the whole feature set. Plus you get good contrast that is not indistinguishable, but close enough that it's not going to be a disappointment. And uh, so you, you get a very well-rounded display but uh, at a, a nice price and, and still mm-hmm. getting kind of the nice contrast. I, I think OLEDs, they're, they're, they've gotten very, very good in the past few years. Burn-in mm-hmm. historically was an issue, but it's not really a problem anymore. The Arting site pegged it at like 9,000 plus hours before burn-in started to be noticeable. And that was on models that are now four years old. True. And they've been running it ever since. Wow. So burn-in really isn't uh, an issue as much. I think the lifespan, I I was seeing things that that OLEDs don't really last quite as long. Um, But again, that's been improving lately. Uh, Fun fact, the the Zune HD had an OLED display in 2009. And I had a Zune HD in 2009, and you bet your ass I was excited about that back then. (laughs) (laughs) Very and, happy about that. And that wasn't even really the first practical OLED. It, it had been around actually since like yeah. the 1990 or somewhere around there. OLED did have a explosion of functionality in the smartphone, the smartphone world. I believe the Galaxy S1 was there, was the, I believe the first time they coined the term AM OLED which is still basically in use today and is the gold standard for OLED going forward. It's a it's an old technology, obviously. But anyway, um, yeah, OLED OLED's a fascinating one. So obviously a 77-inch TV, if you're going for size, you're not going to be able to get a 77-inch for the same price as an LCD, honestly. Uh, the I believe 77s are still upwards of like almost two and a half to three thousand dollars which is a ton of money for a tv so and yeah there were very there were some very pricey tvs that we were looking at (laughs) yeah 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 and i very much want a 70 a 70 plus whenever i choose to upgrade my tv just because i i I mean you you didn't really move you didn't move your couch and i i know that there is a science behind how far you need to place your tv away from the couch for quote-unquote proper viewing distance but i don't care i honest to god would sit right in front of a 75 inch tv and just soak it in i love the idea of a giant tv do do you sit in the front row at theaters (laughs) i actually don't that is a little too much but um you know there's a sweet spot between uh movie theater size and 75 inch monitor (laughs) 
Well, when I when I got this and I sent you the message that that I got it and everything, I remember telling you that I moved our old TV into the bedroom. Yeah. And so that was, you know, I'm kind of upgrading at the top end and then moving things down into the other rooms. And so the 60-inch 1080p is now in the bedroom. And <laughs> it, that must be wild. The, for the first couple of days, it just was bonkers how big this thing looked. You would walk into the bedroom, it takes <laughs> up like the whole visible area of the wall that wasn't already taken up by the dresser and like a, a piece of wall art that we had hanging there. What we've had to do since is actually take that wall art down because it was like a like a dark grayscale cityscape. Yeah. And that plus the TV just made that whole wall just look black. <laughs> so it was just not going to work. We ended up taking that out of there and, and put some shelves up and it looks, looks much better now, but it's like yeah. the whole width of the dresser. And it's not a yeah. small dresser. It's pretty good size and it just is huge in there, but we're, we've gotten used to it and, and it's, it's great. But <laughs> I remember you saying that you were like all for ludicrously large screens Absolutely. Every <laughs> single day. Bring it on. That's fantastic. Uh, we didn't actually round out my top three. We didn't round out my top three features. So number one, number one, resolution and size. Number two, brightness and contrast. And then uh, my third one is something I didn't really want right away. And I specifically was kind of looking for a TV that wouldn't have it, but that's impossible. It's a smart OS. Vizio's OS is actually pretty good kind of surprisingly good and despite the os it's and maybe kind of in part because of it is a a super fast startup time and obviously it probably goes into a sleep mode but i can press like the netflix button and it'll pop up within i don't know i haven't measured it but like two seconds it's like bam netflix amazing it's it's really fast, and uh, so it has six buttons on the remote: uh, Vudu, Netflix, Disney, Hulu, or I don't remember what they are, but six buttons to go to uh, specific apps, and I can press them, and the TV will be in that app very very quickly. So I was kind of I was hoping to avoid a smart OS because I was coming from a dumb screen, a sixty inch ten eighty p that I got eight nine years ago, mm. and I already had multiple smart devices that i could hook up to it so i figured i wouldn't need or want any of the smart features but the vizio tv has all the apps they start up really fast so now i can probably just move uh what we're going to talk about next my google tv into the bedroom or someplace else is it just entertainment apps like youtube netflix I heard you say Voodoo, but you know, whatever streaming services that you use, is it just streaming services apps that you use or do you use more than just that? Uh, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, there is a, actually a ton of news apps on there and like free channels and things that come with, uh, the Vizio TVs. Uh, I don't see myself really using those. I went through it the first night we had it after watching Wally, uh, in 4k. <laughs> yeah. They're, there are a whole bunch of apps on there, and I, I could sit there for probably hours scrolling through the list of it. Uh, but most of them, the vast majority, I think, are entertainment and various like news and TV apps and things like that. So uh, I'm mostly going to be sticking to the ones that have buttons on the remote or ones that I can get to quickly. Pretty soon, I'm probably going to subscribe to Apple TV+. Plus. So 
we'll be able to talk about that a little uh, bit for all mankind yeah uh we will talk more about that when the season entirety of season two is done because i'm gonna binge it so that's how i live my life i binge my tv shows these days <laughs> all right yeah so what do you want to talk about the google tv you got the new one right yeah, so it's it's the new evolution of the Chromecast, really. So it's Sam, it's a little dongle you plug into HDMI, plug it up to USB, and then you're good to go. So I had it on the the dumb screen before in the living room. Well, just a Chromecast, and then upgraded to the new Google TV. And I really, really like the Google TV. It has a great interface, and I really liked kind of being able to go through and see all the different services. Because it it, mm-hmm. com- it combines them all into a single interface. I could put things on a wish list and I could um, say whether I liked it or didn't like it. And that's all built into the Google TV interface. So I really liked the device and it still had Chromecast abilities built into it. So it's, it's a very, very cool device. But the Vizio just kind of obviates the need for it. I wouldn't really need it on there. The Vizio handles the exact same things for the most part. I don't think it surfaces content as well as the Google TV. It doesn't have wish listing or thumbs up, thumbs down type of thing like Google TV does. But it does a lot of the same things and it's really fast to start up. And it also has Chromecast and Apple uh, AirPlay built in. Yep. So that's good. Yeah, it has pretty much everything I would need for that. So uh, I could move the the Google TV into the move it with the TV that it was on previously, and just put that yeah. in the bedroom and use it there. But I I can highly recommend the Google TV as a a great streaming stick. Basically, I I'm gonna I have never had a a TV yet that has a good smart OS. Like the last TV that I got was from 2014, so it's obviously it's not a very good. Uh, operating system that my samsung tv has on it and but that is definitely changing every single year and every single year uh, operating systems for tvs do get better and i think as you've said we are at a pretty good point with smart tv operating systems but uh, at the same time just with my experience from the 2014 operating system that i have it it scares me and in a few years when I do end up getting a TV, I, I look forward to kind of looking at the different features. So the feature where you said that it, it can boot into Netflix within like about two seconds, it's amazing. And I don't think I have any device like my Apple TV wouldn't be able to get the TV on and into Netflix within two seconds. I don't think there's any way I could do that with an external box. But yeah, I was I was very impressed with it. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's extremely compelling. Um, but the, the reason why I'm going to be pretty adamant that I keep an external box running all the smarts on my TV is to hopefully preventing either Samsung or Vizio or LG or whoever I get the new TV from from potentially bricking my TV where all I need it to be is really a display. Like if there's a bug that takes the turn on feature from being surefire, it turns on every single time to it turns on maybe 95 out of 100 times that that five times is going to annoy the shit out of me (laughs) and um if it works 100 out of 100 times out of the box you know that's that's a good thing and that's what i would want i would want the on button to work 100 out of 100 times that's that's the thing that scares me the most about operating systems and running exclusively a smart os built into the tv is if 
these manufacturers don't really care about the software updates that they pump out and they just pump out garbage, then you're going to have a worse experience. And that's, it doesn't sound like a lot of people are really feeling that because um, most people use the smart OS that's built into their TV these days because every single TV comes with it. And you would think that there would be a much brighter, angrier conversation if uh, Samsung bricked some of their TVs and they just said, suck it. Yeah, I think there would be a riot. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so I think that maybe my concern is a little overblown, but it's going to be very hard for me to get over that uh, when we... I I wouldn't expect it to be anything like not being able to turn on the TV or day mod zero equal to zero (laughs) where it only turns on on even days i i I wouldn't really expect that type of thing uh if anything they might break an app or something or remove a feature and it just maybe the more likely thing is it just never gets updated you know right as long as it's always stable like as long as the initial operating system or the operating system that it remains on for the rest of time is stable that's fine i just don't trust them to do that yeah so or security uh is another growing concern i guess privacy updates would be nice to keep it private and secure i just i don't i don't know yet if vizio is good at that i guess tv os's they have gotten a pass so far but yeah, a, a stick or something you could easily replace and move from TV to TV is very, very compelling for for the reasons you bring up. But I had the same concerns and I don't really have it, it yeah. right now with this TV. So that remains to be seen how, how Vizio handles it. And part of why I got the Vizio over something like a Samsung was Samsung has started to encroach a little bit on those values like privacy. Because I was looking at some of their stuff, like the uh, what is it, the Q70T, and, and a couple TVs like that. So that was part of my reasoning in getting the Vizio is that their their stuff is for a smart OS. It's fairly bare bones. I will say that if you ever, if we ever talk on this podcast and you say that Vizio bricked your TV, or if you're running into like random <laughs> bugs, like volume doesn't work very much anymore, or uh, it doesn't switch inputs, like it will just randomly switch inputs back to TV for no apparent reason. If you ever tell me you run into stupid bugs with your TV, I may never use a smart OS on my TVs ever. <laughs> so we're tagging this moment in history. Yeah. So that we can come back to this time on this podcast and say, <laughs> I told you so. Well, I mean, more so that if you ever tell me, I don't know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be living vicariously through you in this okay. world. You already have a smart TV. Why is this on me? It's a, it's a hardly, di- it's a very, very different smart TV. You actually have a smart TV. I have a fake smart TV. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're going to be using it you're going to be using it every single day basically and um yeah so more so again if you ever tell me that you're having bugs with your your smart tv i will never you're going to start living in a camper with propane exactly off yeah exactly i'm just shutting (laughs) i'm shutting this stuff down and getting my apple tv and a new tv and never hooking up the tv to the internet ever (laughs) (laughs) but you know if you never have that though if you never have that though the next time i upgrade then that 
will be a really good sign. That'll yeah. be a really good sign, and I'll I'll be giving it a shot. And so I'll be, I'll be your guinea pig for like the next year or so. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, one last piece here is related to 120 hertz. Um, I don't. How much did you use 120 hertz on your last TV? I guess you had it. I didn't know that. But how much did you use it before? How much do you notice it now? Okay. So for most of the time that I had that TV, it was hooked up to a PS4 OG or earlier. Well, I guess not earlier because I got the PS4 and I got the TV kind of at the same time. Yep. So there was no 120 hertz content, really. It was mostly 30 it's only really recently that I put the PS4 Pro onto it, uh, which still pretty much caps out at 60 FPS. It, and then it wasn't really until kind of more recently that I would have been using anything that has 120 hertz type of content. But none of it was gaming, so like it would all be cinema stuff, you know? There's n- almost no 120 hertz movies out there. Right, so they're all 24 FPS and... You know, somewhere around there. There are some 60, and they're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. But anyway. So my living room TVs, that just hasn't really ever been a concern for me. As soon as I start upgrading my office, that's when things are going to get wild. Because (laughs) I've got 1080p monitors, which I'm currently using for my PS5. Which, you know, when I say that, it kind of sounds like I'm putting 120. 20-year-old man into a Bugatti or something. (laughs) But uh, that's what I got. And (laughs) uh, when I upgrade my office, you know, then we'll start talking about 120 hertz content and and how the games are performing. But until then, I'm, I'm basically judging this TV based on movies and TV shows and things like that, okay. which I spend a lot of time on, actually. I really like watching series and, and have been cruising through them because we racked up, like, a hundred things in our Netflix list over the past nice. couple of years. So we, we've nice. made a concerted effort to knock that down. Well, then we'll save the 120 hertz conversation then for when you get a monitor that does 120 hertz and hook your PS5 up to it. Yeah, consider that deferred. Deferred. Good to know. All right, let's jump on into picks, and we will split out the second half of this episode into another episode. Good call. I didn't expect that TV thing to go on so long. (laughs) I did. I was excited about you getting a new TV, so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been excited, too. It's phenomenal, but judging by the notes that I put in there, I just thought we'd cruise through it. Nope. I'm, I like living vicariously through other people a lot. So, <laughs> okay. So what's this, this interesting pick that you are going to, going to give us? What in the world is this? All right. So I've picked, I guess I would call it a similar thing in the past. Uh, and you were a big fan of this, my previous pick. So I think you'll like this also. And that okay. the previous pick was Kurtz Gazette. Hey, this pick is Melody Sheep, uh, which is a oh boy. YouTube yeah, channel. Okay. And uh, there's a website there, MelodySheep.com. And my favorite thing about this is essentially this channel. It's like a one-man show, but he's like a film and music and VFX professional. And mm-hmm. he, this channel is basically full of like episode length, say 30 minutes long videos that are 
basically fully made by this one person. And a lot of them, pretty much all of them, are space-oriented. So my favorite one is called Time-Lapse of the Future. And oh boy, okay. it basically goes from now through the end of time, which is mm. like trillions of years into the future, and goes through like what exactly kind of happens or what we obviously think yeah. is going to happen to the planets, to the galaxies, to the universe as time goes on, how black holes, you know, start to swallow things up. And, mm-hmm. and on one level, it's existential, but it's so far out in the future that it just, for me, it puts things in such an awesome perspective. And space is one of my favorite topics. So these videos are are so captivating and the quality in them is so good the the music the animations the the editing is just phenomenal and it's got it's mostly like voiceovers taken from from a whole bunch of different uh sources and and this channel uh puts them together in this super creative way and it's it's so fun to watch that i can just sit mm-hmm. there and like one of them, uh, I don't think it was this one in particular, but uh, some of the videos I've just put them on and like with the lights off, just watching it. And I want to throw it up on the 4K now that I think about it because these would be great on there. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I Yeah, I'm going to be checking that out because anyone that is anywhere similar to Kirk, Kirk's Gazette is uh, something I'm into. So I, I love the fact that with Kirk's, Kirk's Gazette, they they have a level of self-awareness that they recognize the fact that many of their videos calls cause existential dread. And they've done (laughs) several, several episodes uh, on their channel about what is existential dread and why you should not be afraid of our videos. (laughs) Right. I just watched one recently about nuking the moon. Oh yeah. 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 Dude. I, I look forward to checking this out. Um, on Kirk's, Kirk's Gazette, I find myself rewatching their videos constantly just because they're so well put together and the way they portray information is just top notch. Absolutely top notch. Yeah, so. it doesn't get much better in terms of short educational videos. They they just yeah. capture the point of it so well. It's so yeah. fun. Their videos are always so fun too. It's amazing that that's a genre of mo- of videos on YouTube. Like you found another creator here. I look forward to checking them out, but there's so many of them. It's amazing. Yeah. It's this one. Like the, it's not at all the art style of Kurtz Gazette. It's very realistic. And that's what kind of makes it so impressive. Um, It's all like 3d accurate kind of renderings of our universe. So it's very, very well done. That'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. I'll probably watch that uh, before I go to bed and uh, be afraid of the heat death of the universe. It'll be great. Yes, or (laughs) Um, that a rogue black hole might just swallow you up before you know what's happening. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. For for our listeners, by the way, that is highly unlikely. All right, uh, my pick is a something that I have been now following for several weeks, and a little bit of backstory. So, um, I've talked on and off on this show about my uh, path to becoming an app developer, and uh, right after I think we briefly talked about my app sneaker tracker in mm-hmm. roughly June or July of 2020, 
And it was roughly around that time period because that was right around WWDC. And at at about that time, uh, it became obvious that Apple was going to be making a a shift to Swift UI uh, away from UIKit. And so I decided to dive face first into Swift UI at that point. Um, UIKit is their legacy uh, user interface developing system. And it, it's, it was absolutely the right place to start because there's a ton of knowledge about UIKit. It's, I mean, everyone still basically uses it today. It's by far the most popular platform to develop UI for iOS these days. But Apple is very much signaling saying, hey, by the way, Swift UI is the future. So in the summer, I decided, uh, I, I kind of decided to dive face first into Swift UI for two reasons. Um, if I were to become an expert in UIKit, um, and not pay attention to Swift UI, uh, I would become an expert in a technology that's kind of starting to phase out. Um, and barring a total failure from Apple, Swift UI is indeed the future of UI development. So it's a universal platform already, and it's growing every year. And it's only roughly two years old. It's relatively immature, but it is mature enough for me to be able to learn the basics. And so I decided to dig into that uh, last summer, and uh, it's basically where I remain because it's there's a lot to learn. So over the fall and over the uh, winter, um, I dug into a variety of sources, LinkedIn Learning and YouTube sources. Um, all of them are great. I don't really have anything to plug there, but I do have one to plug, which is not on any of those. And it's a guy named Paul Hudson. He runs a website called Hacking with Swift. And he has a variety of books available. He has a ton of uh, video content where he walks you through and explains in depth all the concepts and whatnot about Swift and developing for Mac, developing for tvOS. He has um, a lot of content about developing for server-side Swift, which is uh, coming to my mind eventually. And uh, he has a hundred days of Swift UI where every single day he has something new for you, is all free, and you just go to day one, day two, day three, etc., and follow the tutorials that he has for you on those days, and you do it for a hundred days. And um, the idea is not to skip a single day, dedicate roughly an hour or so to programming every single day. And right now I'm on day forty-two, and nice. I'm I am in love with Swift UI and just how much I've learned from this process. I'm very much looking forward to where I'm going to be at at the end of April at, at day 100. And I'm, I'm looking forward to subscribing to his more advanced courses. He has, I think, like a, a $20 a month or $200 a year, acts, all access to everything he has. I'm going to be getting that. And when I read through that, he literally says on that saying, you should go through the 100 days course first because this is not beginner level content. This is content that you need to have some form of knowledge about Swift or Swift UI before you can, before you choose to buy it. So mm-hmm. he's open and honest about that. It's amazing. So um, I, I love all the free content that's out there for programming. It's It's probably one of the most freely available documented things you can learn on the internet is programming. Yeah. There's just tons of free content out there for it from people like Paul Hudson, which is amazing. So Paul Hudson runs hackingwithswift.com. God, he's, he's such a nice guy. He's, he's wicked smart. And I recommend following his site. 
Um, I'll have a link in the show notes for 100 Days uh, of Swift UI. Um, and you can find him on Twitter at Two Straws. So great guy to follow. <laughs> you got to wonder where those Twitter handles come from. <laughs> two Straws? There's a story I no there. I have no idea. I'm sure he's explained <laughs> it somewhere, but I I don't know. <laughs> he's I've only been following him for the last 42 days. So See if um, I can do some light binging tonight and find that out. Yeah. Binging. <laughs> still on that. <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for listening. Um, if you have any feedback or questions uh, or topic suggestions, if you have an alternative um, search engine for Bo to check out, uh, feel free to let us know on Twitter. We are at Active Discourse. And we're going to be seeing you again pretty soon because we had a whole other topic that I had a feeling we weren't going to be able to get to today. So we will uh, jump off this and start recording the next one. So until then, stay safe. See you in the next one.